We got a late show. Monday, May 13th, 9.57 p.m. New Wave Radio is in the building. I had to take care of a, little, a couple of things, but I'm here. Couldn't forget the crowd. Couldn't forget the squad. The Wave gang, you know, we're in the building. Shout out to everybody that's been tuning in. Um, This episode is really, I mean, you know what I'm saying? We're just going to be kicking it, talking about the... um. The festival that just passed down in Miami, you know what I mean, Rolling Loud Festival. A few things popped off at Rolling Loud. We're going to talk about that. Um, you know we're going to talk about the Sixers um, NBA basketball. We got to talk about that. Um, the lottery. We definitely got to talk about that. We spoke on that again before prior. In prior episodes, we're going to talk about the NBA Draft Lottery, which is tomorrow night. Um, I think it's like 8 o'clock or, or 9 o'clock, something like that. I'm not sure about the time. But the Knicks have a 14% chance of getting the first pick. And this will be the first time the Knicks received the first pick since drafting Patrick Ewing back in the 80s. And Patrick Ewing basically turned that franchise around. He couldn't get the Knicks the championship they wanted, but he got them there twice. It was a struggle for Patrick Ewing. It was a struggle because he he never, he was always this close. And to the podcast, if you, if you, if you understand, if you know, if anybody's Patrick Ewing fans out there, you know Patrick Ewing was always like it was always the ring was always dangling in front of Patrick Ewing's face. He could never get that championship. Can the Knicks get the championship now that they have this boatload of money and they have all this all these free agents that could possibly land in New York City? Um why would they want to come? I really honestly don't think no one wants to play under that owner, um, Grunfeld. I don't see Grunfeld luring in the players that he should lure in. I don't think players want to play for certain owners because it's bigger than just the players. It's bigger than just the players. I mean, you have people behind them. You know, like I listened to Jimmy Butler and I listened to Tobias Harris today. They said... They asked him about free agency. They said, what do you guys think you gonna, you'll land during free agency? They said, it's up to my team. So these guys don't make the decisions at the end of the day. They don't really make the decisions. They're just there. They're really, they just, they just there. They don't make the decisions. You know, they got agents that make these decisions for them. And they got these guys that come on the board and they call these shots for these multi-million dollar players and you know like they they place them in, in particular spots positions teams I really don't think after sitting down I, I said the Knicks will not draft Zion Williams it won't draft Zion Williams because it's going to distract them from the bigger picture and that's winning now, you know, Zion, you got to rebuild him and get him ready for this NBA. Zion Williams is really, in the NBA, he'll be just a athletic small forward. 
that cannot shoot the three in the NBA with a hand in his face. He's Zion Williams is an athletic small forward. Do you want to go that route? Do you want him leading your team? He's not a LeBron James. Maybe he's a LeBron James to these guys in college. But as far as the NBA goes, it's not going to like unfold like that. It's not just going to unfold like that because he's very small. You know, think Charles Barkley. But Charles Barkley was a beast. 6'5", six, 6'4", six, whatever he was. This guy was bodying dudes in the paint. Charles Barkley wasn't a slouch. Not at all. He would bring it. Well, my thing is this. Can Zion bring it in the NBA? Can he bring it? Because this game right here, this game right here is built for this game that the NBA, the NBA basketball game now is built on speed, 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 athleticism, and your skill set. Your skill set. You have to be able to um, come into the game. You have to be able to come into this game today ready. They don't want nobody that's not ready. They don't want to have to groom you and build you up to play ball. They want guys that are ready. They want guys that are in the, that are that are that are seasoned at a young age they're seasoned you know they want old souls they don't want no immaturity you know a lot of these players that you see now they're 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 built for the nba donovan mitchell you know he was built for the league jason tatum built for the league because they went to they played in a system they played in a system that groomed them for the NBA. Now, will Zion Williams be groomed? Is he ready? I don't know. But in my in my in my in my humble opinion, I think that he might get his feelings hurt when he plays that first game. He looks like he might get his feelings hurt. You know, he might he might have to they might they might drop him. They might say, Look, man, we got to sit you down. We got to sit you down. Because a lot of these dudes they rush they rush the process. They rush the process. They wanna be they wanna be in the game, they wanna get the money, they wanna get you know, the millions of dollars come pouring at you, them sneak them sneaker deals. That's what it's all about, that that um the sneaker deals and stuff, right? You know, so this kid gonna come out of high out of college one year, one year, and he got a lot of pressure. He got big shoes to fill. If he plays in New York, I'm telling you, the media is gonna chew him up and spit him out. As soon as he misses one shot, they're gonna they gonna they gonna get him. If you don't think the New York media is harsh, ask Marbury. Ask Amari Stoudemire. Ask ask Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, you ask him. He probably will really tell you. Um, ask anybody. Ask Patrick Ewing. Ask John Starks. Ask Eli Manning. Plexico Burris. Phil Sims. Lawrence Taylor. And New York media will swallow you. And they will spit you up. And we'll go to another team. You know, you'll be... People that go from New York to other teams end up 
being like it's like New York is like a it's like a danger zone for basketball players. Once you leave New York, you're never the same. I'm talking from an athlete's point of view. You're never the same once you leave New York. You play for New York, you ball, you do this, and you get busy, you make that money, you walk around, people start sharing your name, and they ask for your autograph, you eat at the fa uh, at the popping steak shops and stuff, you you chilling, you at all the strip clubs. Then when you leave New York, all that shit leaves you. You start get, you get humbled again. And you forget that you play the game of basketball. And now you're looked at as a B-list basketball player. C-list basketball player. You're not even that good no more. People don't even like you. They're like, yo, this dude used to be nice. He used to be nice. Don't want to be considered as used to be nice. You want to still be nice. You know? I want to still be nice. I still ball. Still can finger roll, dunk, clap the boards, you know? That's how it is when you leave the New York City basketball scene. They drain you mentally. They take your skills. They push you out. You go somewhere else, you're just a bum-ass motherfucking basketball player now. You ain't, you ain't got it. You know, they had you. They worked you. They worked you out. They worked you out. But um, we're going to talk about this... Um, <clears throat> Like, if people come in, we're going to talk about the lottery. NBA lottery. But right now, what I want to talk about is the 76ers last night. It was a good game. A very good game. You know, the 76ers played a good game. Even though I knew they weren't going to win when they have to come from behind against a good team like that. You know, these guys had to come from behind. Now, I'm going to tell you something very important about the game of basketball the Sixers could have won that game the Sixers coaches put them in a position to lose that game the Sixers coaches the Sixers head coach put them in a position to lose that game and he could say whatever he want but he will not debate it you know you got the 76ers you got one of the biggest you are one of the best big men in the league. Yes, we know. We get it. You can shoot. We understand you can shoot. But we don't need you to shoot. You know, we don't need you to shoot. What we need for you to do is take advantage of that mismatch in the paint. That's what we need for him to do. Not just the last part of the game. All game. The whole game. You know? So, during the season, this guy is averaging 28 points. What do you think he gets those 28 points from? He doesn't get them 28 points from the three-point line. He doesn't average 28 points shooting three-pointers. No, he not. you're not Steph Curry. Steph Curry gets his average from beyond the arc. Joel Embiid gets his average from in the paint. And occasionally he'll pull. He'll take that shot. And you're just looking at it with your fingers crossed, hoping it'll go in. But Joel Embiid was playing out of position yesterday. Out of position. The entire game. 
and I'm looking at this game, I'm watching it, and everybody was watching it because, you know, the fans see stuff different than what the coaches see. The coaches see they come into the game with a game plan. They have a game plan. That was their game plan. They were just doing what they, they were just making the game. They didn't want to make any adjustments during the game. They were content with their game plan. They had a system. They had a, they had something going. You know, they had something going. But let me tell you something, man. That that's what that's where. And Brett Brown came from San Antonio, with Greg Popovich. You studied under one of the great coaches. So what one of the great coaches would have did was made an adjustment during that game. A quick adjustment. We call it a quick adjustment. A fast adjustment. It doesn't take that much time. You guys practice this all the time. So, they had three possessions I watched. They had three possessions. Two 24-second violations. Two shot clock violations. And one of them they turned the ball over with five seconds left on the shot clock. Five seconds turnover leads to a score. That was in the final minutes of the game. You know, thank goodness for players like Jimmy Butler, who has heart, who can ball. Jimmy Butler can ball. I think Jimmy Butler found a home in Philly. I think Jimmy Butler found a place where he can call home. I think this is the city for him. But now what, what we what we got to think, what we got to figure out is how can the 76ers sign a guy like Jimmy Butler and make everyone around him happy? Because, you know, they got to sign J.J. Reddick. They really don't have to sign Tobias Harris. They don't. Mike Scott can take Tobias Harris's spot. I'm fine with that. Mike Scott is okay. Mike Scott, I think he learned a lot from watching the game from where he's been at. And my thing is this, what you should have did was played Mike Scott in that game seven. But like I said, they had a game plan and a system lined up for this game seven. And it did not work. It did not work. Not one bit. You know, so the Sixers have their self. Elton Brand has decision to make. Do you keep Brett Brown? Or do you fire Brett Brown? And if you fire Brett Brown, who do you replace Brett Brown with? Who's out there? Who's out there? I can tell you something. I can tell you who, who they should get. Who might not take the job, but they should ask him anyway. Mark Jackson should coach the 76ers. Mark Jackson should coach the Philadelphia 76ers. That should be his team. He should turn that team around. I believe Mark Jackson could turn that team around within a New York minute. He can turn that team. He can make that team winners, contenders, because the right coach wouldn't let Joel Embiid play the top of the key. The right coach wouldn't let jo wouldn't let Ben Simmons go a whole season without taking a jump shot. You know, the right coach will play his whole bench 
and not just five guys. Did you really see Joel Embiid was so tired in that game? They have two seven-footers on the bench, Greg Monroe and the foreign boy. You got two seven-footers on the bench. Why couldn't you just put one of them in? Now, let me tell you something. Another thing that Brett Brown, I didn't understand. The last play of the game, Kawhi Leonard got the ball. We know he's getting the ball. It's not going to nobody else. It's going to Kawhi Leonard. And he's gonna have, he had no choice but to dribble around on top of the key to hit that shot. Now, why did they not put the big man, the big white boy in the game to distract, to, to stop, to put, you know, to guard the ball. They did it the other day with in the first half. The end of the first half, four-tenths of a second left, I think. You know what I mean? They put this guy in the game to guard the line, to guard the ball. He's like this. He has one job. Just do this. Stand out with his arms out to my podcast. He has one, one job to do that. He did that well. They couldn't get the ball in bounds. Why do you not bring that man in the game to do that? With four seconds left, which was a lot of time. You get four seconds, you can dribble. You can pull up. You can square up. You can shoot that ball. You can probably get fouled. And one. Free throws. Pump fake. Shoot. Anything can happen. But if you got that big man in the game, whether it be Monroe or the other young boy, if you got them in the game, that won't happen. That's a distraction. Now, why? Now, this is why I'm telling you Brett Brown will not be here next year. Brett Brown's going to get fired, but who do they replace him with? You know, he's done. In Philadelphia, that was the game, you know, they had the process, right? We trusted the process. Up until now, this was their big shot to win the championship. Because they don't, you don't just bring these guys on the team for no reason. You bring these guys, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, on his team with hopes of winning a championship. Their hopes were done right there. Now, these are two big-time free agents. You have to sign one of them. You have to sign Jimmy Butler. You can, I'm, you, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm cool with letting Tobias Harris go. I'm okay with that. But Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick have to be back. Like I said, Mike Scott can take Tobias Harris's spot. Mike Scott put in a lot of work. He sat on the sidelines. He's watched. He's observed. He's, he has the skill set. A little couple couple more practices, he'll be, he'll be A1. But what I'm telling you, man, is like Philly has a lot of um, decisions to make during the offseason. And it starts with the coaching. Because you you're only as good as your leader. It starts with the coaching. It doesn't start nowhere else. Elton Brand did a terrific job with that team. The players did a hell of a job. Embiid did everything he could, but but averaged his average in the playoffs. He did everything he could. Only thing he's doing is what the coach asks him to do. The coach called plays. They called plays for him to be at the top of the key. He's at the top of the key to shoot. 
if the coach would have put him in the paint, the Sixers would have dominated these dudes. Because Mark Gasol would have fouled out. Nobody could hold him. He's the biggest man on the basketball court. He goes up, foul, and one. So when I say you can't blame the players, you have to blame the coach. Because the players are not out there calling the plays. They're calling the plays the coach gives them. It's not his fault. If he could have went down in the paint, he would have. But the coach called a play for him to be at the top of the key. So, you know, the fans, they look at the game from a different perspective. They look at the game from an emotional point of view. You got to look at the game from a logical point of view. You got to know, you got to understand the sport before you just jump the gun and say certain players are, fu- are messed up. You know, he was crying because he was trying his best. He gave it his all. He's like, man, I, I, I put my all 48 minutes of this into the game. I didn't even sit down one second. I tried my best from the last play of the game. He jumped up. He When Ben Simmons let him go, Embiid was right there to pick up the slack. Seven foot in the air, jump, try to avoid fouling him. Because you know if he, he touched that wrist, he goes to the line. So, yeah, you can blame the young man. You can blame him for losing that game. You can say whatever you want to say. Blame him for crying and stuff like that. I mean, you can. You, it's easy to do that. But if you watch the game the way you're supposed to watch the game, you'll understand that it wasn't his fault. It, will come down to, it comes down to coaching. It comes down to coaching. Like I said, you're only as good as your leader. And they weren't as good as they they weren't that good in the last minute of the game. They were good and for that last minute, four seconds left. Like I said, the other day he put up seven footer to guard the inbounds with four seconds left in the first half. Why couldn't you do that with four seconds left in a game that could decide if you go to the championship or not? It was bad coaching. It was bad decision-making. Brett Brown's known for making bad decisions. So when the, seven, when the Sixer fans, the Philly fans get emotional, they get emotional for the wrong, for the wrong reasons. They're pointing fingers at the wrong people. I see it constantly with Eagle fans. They're pointing at McNabb. They're doing this. It's not his fault. No, it's not McNabb's fault. He's doing, he's, he's doing what the coach told him to do. This is not street ball where you just run your own game. This is organized sport where you do what the coach tells you to do where you get your ass on the bench. So you got to watch the game different. You can't watch the game like an emotional fan. You got to sit there and just be like, oh, snap. Why didn't the coach make that play? You know, Because the Toronto coach, he said, when he shot the ball, I knew it was going in. He said, my, my whole thing was, why did we even put ourselves in a position to take a shot like that? He was mad at himself. He said, look, I'm, I'm mad that we, that we were in that position. We're not supposed to be there. We're supposed to been beat these guys. So he took responsibility for a made shot. 
he wasn't satisfied with a made shot. He said, I knew it was going in. I just didn't understand why we let them come back. That's the difference between a good coach and an all right coach. Because you know, he's not a great coach by far. He's not. I think, you know what I mean, he got a long ways to go. But that's the difference between he's he just playing with some of the best players in the game. It's easy to coach greatness. You know? Let him coach a bad team. I bet you he'd be a pitiful coach. That's how you know if you're a good coach or not. If you can coach a bad team to be good. Anybody can coach a good team to be better. You got the guy, you got the good players on your team. You just got all you gotta do is call the right plays. These young boys gonna play. I wasted enough time talking about the Sixers. I wasted enough time talking about the Sixers coach, because it's not the Sixers. You know, you can point fingers at Ben Simmons all you want. He doesn't shoot because the coach doesn't draw plays up for him to shoot. You can point fingers at Ben and B all you want. He doesn't get in the paint because the coach doesn't tell him to get in the paint. So these guys are taking a lot of they. These guys are picking up the coach's slack when they shouldn't. You know, like I said, he cried for a reason because he played his ass off and he's tired. I bet you that boy went and took an ice chamber bath real quick. And says, shit, I'm just glad the season's over. Don't be so hard on these guys, man. Especially when you don't understand the game of basketball. Kodak Black got locked up again. Guns charges. Bought illegal guns. He bought legal guns illegally. That sounds crazy. He bought legal guns illegally. And this kid keep getting locked up for guns, man. I think something wrong with him mentally. You know what I mean? I think you got to watch out for guys like Kodak Black might catch a body. He might kill somebody some one day, God forbid. But I think he's a psycho little motherfucker. He needs to get some help. Because you keep getting locked up for all these guns and drugs. You're something wrong with you mentally. Yeah, you can rap. But you got to curve your you got to curve your decision making. You got to like what do you want to be? A drug kingpin or a smart businessman? You got to make a decision, dog. You can't be a drug dealer and have a legal gig. Because you're a rapper now. You're an entertainer. You have a legal job. You pay taxes. What are you doing running around here with all these machine guns and drugs and shit like that? You make yourself look stupid. So Kodak Black lock got locked up. Okay, we not mad at that. What else is new? Now, NBA young boy never broke again. I had to Google this kid's name. Never broke again young boy. I don't know who the hell this kid is. He was in a shooting, and they say T. Grizzly was involved in it. So T. Grizzly's on the run. They telling T. Grizzly, turn yourself in. They like, T. Grizzly, you got to turn yourself in. You being investigated for this shooting. The NBA young boy, his bodyguard got killed. His girlfriend got hit, got hit a couple times. And then what's, the hell, what's his girlfriend like? Who is she? Is it the girl, the little white girl that be rapping? I seen something when she got his name tatted on or something like this face. But NBA young boys in a situation at the Rolling Loud concert, Lil Wayne even got pressed by the security. He wanted, he said, "Nah, man, you know what I mean." They wanted to check him. He said, "No." 
Shout out to Rolling Loud, man. Y'all got to do a do better job. Stop having these rappers out here acting crazy. You know what I mean? Shit get wild out there. Rolling Loud. You know? So, um, if you want to catch any of the videos that I do live, you can catch them. I record them on, on Instagram for a reason because I post them on YouTube. So, in a minute, I'm going to post a link to my YouTube page. So you can see the videos on YouTube and whatnot. So I don't just record live for no reason. It doesn't matter if it's one, two, three, four, five people in my live. It doesn't matter. I'm not talking directly to Instagram. I'm talking directly to my podcast. So shout out to the podcast. Instagram live shout out to whoever tunes in and whoever just pops up and gives feels free to give a discussion, join the discussion. But I'm talking directly to the to the podcast, I'll post the videos on YouTube. So the videos will be posted on YouTube. You can go back and look if you want to see what's what. You know what I'm saying? You can see me. I'm just talking to the to the to the iPad, basically. But if you want to see the video, you go on YouTube or if you're on Instagram Live, you can check Instagram Live out. But shout out to everybody out there that's been tuning in, that's been showing love. Got people in Belgium and all that coming through, pulling up. You know what I mean? They shouting out. Um, but what they're not doing is subscribing. So just subscribe. If you on the podcast, subscribe. Um, like. Let me know that you're there. When the clothing line drops, I'll be throwing shirts out there, getting everybody acquainted with the show. Hopefully people wear the shirt. The clothing line going to be popping. You know what I mean? We ain't going to say no names about the clothing line yet, but when it comes out, it's, for, it's a skateboard clothing line, T-shirt line. So skateboarders link with me, man. We're going to put something out there. We're going to shoot some videos. We're going to make shit happen. We're going to go on a um, clothing line campaign. We also got a fashion show we're working on. Basketball tournament coming in July. Um, I sit down with the councilwoman in West Philadelphia. So we're going to see what's going on. And, um, yo, it's New Wave Radio, New Wave TV. We lit. Peace.